You know what's funny is every time I hear those words, Pastor Barbie, don't you want to call Mattel? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to see that packaged? I mean, she comes with a little old Cadillac, <laughs> big King James Bible, <laughs> has a worried frown on her forehead most of the time, and people, little ones following behind her going, hey, can I talk to you just a minute? It just, but I can't change to Barbara because that's my mom's name, and you know, that's just <laughs> one of those things that <laughs> I get tickled every time. How y'all doing? <laughs> Allowing me to go off on a tangent there for a minute. But every time I hear it, I think the same thing. Mattel, I wonder if it would sell. <laughs> it's really big in the Pentecostal corners. <laughs> okay, let's get into the Word of God. I always, can you stand? And we're just going to read a couple of passages of Scripture and see what the Lord has to say to us today. All right. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The, the Message Bible says immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that if we just ask you to, you open up your word to us in such a way, Lord, that we are engaged, that we are a part of this, this family life that's going on in the word and transcends into this moment today. So, Father, I pray that you flesh it out for us today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we sit here, we see it. We smell the sea, Father God. We understand the motivations of the people in your word. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit do what only your Holy Spirit can do. Woo us toward the Father today, Lord. I pray that all of my stuff be forgotten and fall away. But everything that is of yours, that is sound, Father, let it produce fruit in our life, consistent with righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love this passage of scripture. I had the opportunity last year during our Lenten season, I got to do a, a, like a three minute portion on this passage of scripture and it just exploded in my spirit. And so I'm glad, I'm so glad I could just get to come and explode all over you guys. And, um, but the, this word is so rich. I look at what we just read and I can see it. See, I feel like I want to talk to you today about my brother, Simon Peter, and my brother, Andrew, because they are our family. And so I kind of attribute to them some of the attributes and things that we might attribute to our brothers or sisters. And I look at this and I think, this is after what Pastor Ronnie spoke about last week. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. Then he's led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And it says, then he began his ministry. Then he began to preach. And he had moved. He was near the Sea of Galilee. And the, this scripture says he was walking down by the Sea of Galilee. And he saw these two brothers, uh, Simon Peter and Andrew, in the boat. And he speaks to them. You know, hey, I need a couple of... 
let's see, Landon, you're a preacher's kid. He's like, no, Landon, uh, Doug Jones, you're a preacher's kid. So you're used to your parents embarrassing you on the platform. So would you come up here, please? (laughs) I'm just going to need you for a minute, just for a minute, because I want you all to see this. I did not ask for lip. <laughs> Nothing, just right here. I need you to be right here. Stand right there just for a second. I'm going to need you all to hold these a minute. Just part, you hold part here too. Ooh, hold them close. And you're working on those because you're fishermen and this is your livelihood. <laughs> Intense. And so Jesus just walks by them. Attention. Um, he walks by them, and it doesn't say that there was some preamble. It doesn't say this is the beauty of the simplicity of the call of Christ. He just comes up to them. You know what? They didn't need a, did not need a worship team to work them up. They didn't need coffee before service to be nice. Yeah, there's guilt all over a lot of us. But he didn't need any of those things. His presence was enough. Let me tell you something. His presence is always going to be enough. But he walks by these two fishermen and he says, come follow me. Come follow me. Now, see, this is in Ferdote and it is a corporate call. It is a plural call. It's to Uh, It's like an altar call or calling people out into the field. Come follow me. And the picture that is painted there is that they came in immediately. They turned to follow him. And what I see in my spirit is that Jesus began to walk with full expectation that they were going to follow, right? Come follow me because they received. And then they did this thing. I believe they began to follow. But then there was this moment, and I can just see that in my spirit. I believe there's this moment when everything in heaven, every saint that had gone before, all of the patriarchs, everyone just paused for a moment. And I believe Jesus paused for just a moment. And in that moment, he heard this sound. Will you drop your nets? And when he heard that sound, I believe everything in heaven just began to stand at attention and went, now there are two. Now there are two because when they dropped those nets, they were dropping everything that they had held on to. See, because they were sons of a fisherman and they were grandsons of a fisherman. This was uh, the only time we see Zebedee in the word, he's in a boat. And as fishermen, that would be what was expected. Okay, guys, you can sit down. I won't make you follow me the whole time. Or, but you could, just like this. <laughs> when they dropped those, such a small sound. But I believe it reverberated in the heavens because they were going, everything we have depended on, who we thought we were going to be, the provision for our family, everything familiar, everything that's been passed down to us, we're laying it down. They were saying, we're not going back. See, when you burn the plows or you drop the nets, you know that you're moving forward. And, and those contingency plans that we have, well, if this Jesus thing doesn't work out, I'll go back and get my nets and I'll just fish with daddy again. But see, the call in that time was come and follow me. I love that the word that is used there, it says immediately they dropped their nets. 
That word is euthios. There's a lot of measures of time in the word, but euthios means there was zero hesitation. It means they were immediately in that spot with, with no delay. See, so often when we receive the call of Christ in our life, it takes us a while because we have to weigh what's in our nets. We have to make a decision. Do I really, really want to lay it all down to follow him? Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't, but that's the call. I think it's so interesting. I have this feeling that if that same invitation were issued today, a couple of guys in a boat, their response would have been, Jesus, come get in the boat with us. Come on, God, Jesus, we want you to be a part of what we're doing. And see, that's, well, that's what we want. We really want Jesus to, to get in our boat, allow us to stick with the plans that we have for our life and just bless it. Don't you think? Be a part of my life, Jesus. It sounds so good and it sounds so right. But that's because we don't understand what it means to be a Christ follower anymore. We understand how to allow him to be a part of our lives, but allowing and embracing are two completely different things. And see, I think we get afraid sometimes of what's gonna happen if we truly sell it all and follow him. Can I tell you that what he has for you and the plans that he has for you, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans for good, his plans are so much better, yet we hold on so tightly to that thing that is familiar, and we, we just determine in our hearts, well, we're going to follow him all the days of our life, but we're kind of just following, and there's more. Following, dragging our nets. I knew of Jesus. I'm a PK, I'm a pastor's kid, all of my life, laying under the pews, Pastor Ronnie, you understand, all of our life, I knew which one put gum under the seats, I knew who, who was probably had a messy house, I knew God, I knew about God, I knew the rule side of God, I knew, you know, that it was all laid out for me, this is how you serve him, and I got that, but man, in 1987, I was... I was a mess. I, was, I had tried serving him, tried serving him. And you know what? Serving sometimes can get really empty. Sometimes serving can be, if your heart isn't fully engaged, it can become heavy. And so about in 1987, Hal and I had Aaron. Aaron was three years old, and I was very pregnant with Matthew. And um, I was in a little church in East Tennessee, actually Oak Ridge Church of God, which seemed like a massive church coming from the church that I came from. But it would have filled like these two sections, you know, if everybody was there and food was being served. Um, <laughs> They would have filled up that section. And I was standing in the hallway and I was getting ready to go sing because like I said, I always served and I was standing in the hallway and I, it started out with me just feeling really sorry for myself. Have you ever just felt really sorry for yourself? I know none of you have, except the ones that were in my office this week. But um, <laughs> nobody was in my office this week, so I can say that. it was just me. <laughs> oh, revelation. Um, but I was standing in that hallway and I was miserable and I was super pregnant too. You know, you could get like that, ladies. And I felt like I had cried all week and I was standing in that hallway and I started crying because there was something, something was missing. 
Something was missing and Hal was doing everything he could do. He was working his way up the ladder, you know, that everything, I had no reason. The kids were, uh, Aaron was healthy. I was having a healthy pregnancy. You know, we were well provided for. I don't know, I couldn't put my finger on it because I didn't want to put my finger on it. It had to do with my relationship with Jesus. And standing in that hallway, I just started crying. And what started out as a sorrow, and I found myself saying, Jesus, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I don't have any reason to feel this way. God, what is wrong with me? And in that moment, I felt like he just ripped back a curtain. And when he pulled back that curtain, this onrush, this rush of the love of God hit me. I mean, it just literally, first I kicked back against the wall and it overwhelmed me, this love of God. And I could see how much he loves you. And I could feel how much he loved me, even in my messes, even in my broken places. I could feel how much he loved me. And I just remember sliding down that wall. I do remember thinking, God, please don't let anybody come in here. Because <laughs> you got a pregnant woman in the floor, they would have interrupted something. But I was like, oh, Jesus. And, and I just began to sob as he overwhelmed me with his love. Because see, what I needed and what I lacked, Jesus knew what I needed. In that time, it's like I, I had my nets. I had so many nets and they were so full of all of the excuses that we all have. I mean, I had excuses. I remember in high school thinking, God, I can't fully follow you because if I fully follow you, I'm just not gonna be cool anymore. Guys, I was never cool a day in my life. Ever. But see, the enemy lies to you to try and tell you why you can't. And I had, the, man, the biggest excuse, and I would venture a guess that Pastor Ronnie probably had this one in his nets as well. Oh, yes, it was. You had it. It's the next net, not the old one. You were cool. Sorry. But the. <laughs> oh, hecklers. Um. <laughs> Um, my biggest thing, guys, that I carried in my nets for years, for years, my biggest thing is if I sell out to you, God, if I really follow you, you're going to call me into the ministry. That's the truth. It's the truth. I had watched my parents walk through it, and it looked hard to me. <laughs> you know, I was looking more like the candy maker, something like that, but... I did not want to go into the ministry. I was just, it, but see, the enemy does that too. The very thing that you have been called to do, he will put a distaste for in your mouth to kind of make you avoid it at all costs because he knows that if you ever fully step into what he's called you to do and you taste and see that he is good and he will meet you there, you'll be like, what was I thinking? All of my life, I've avoided the very thing that was going to fill me up with you. And see, God's calling is that. And in that hallway, none of it mattered. I didn't care. I mean, I was going to say, he could have called me to Timbuktu, but I'm afraid right now. I'm not going to mention that. You know, <laughs> Pastor Rusuka, Peru's really nice. Um, <laughs> 
but I just knew that he was going to, if I ever got sold out and radical, everything was going to change. But what I didn't know is that I needed everything to change. I needed to step into what God had for me. Some of you are so dissatisfied in your lives and you feel empty and you feel like, oh God, there's got to be more because you've only received the call to follow him. But I would just like to propose to you for a moment that there's more calling in that. that I believe, I believe just like with Peter and Andrew, I believe they began to follow him and they served and they did all of it. But I believe that there was a turning point inside of Peter's life. And I believe at that turning point in his life, he stepped fully into the calling that he had. And that passage of scripture, if I can show you. See, I had become, after the hallway experience, <laughs> Oh, and a t-shirt, this is the hallway experience. Um, just make people ask questions. But in that, I became, guys, I wanted to know this Jesus. I wanted to know this one that filled me with so much love that, that confronted me. See, here's the thing. In my nets in that hallway were things that I didn't realize were there. Like, I didn't realize that I was like really still mad at my dad. I was really mad. He had been a pastor. I had believed everything he said from that pulpit, everything he said from that pulpit. And I had based my relationship on God with what he had said about Jesus. So when he left, he left the church. He left me. He left my mom. He left my three sisters and just disappeared, man. I mean, we just kind of had to fend for ourselves and, and I didn't, it just shook everything that was in me about my faith and being able to trust this Jesus. But in that hallway, when he confronted me with the love of God, what he did was he met me in the place of my greatest need. Don't you know that Jesus meets you where you are? It's a song, but Jesus truly does meet you where you are. And when he flooded me with this love and acceptance, he healed those things in me that were mad because I I didn't get the love and acceptance that I wanted from my father. But can I tell you this father's love? Oh, it's something else. It is something else. It's healing and it's wholeness. And, and I got so excited about this Jesus. I loved, I loved this Jesus. And I wanted to know, I wanted to know him. I didn't want to know more about him. I wanted to know him. And so I became a Jesus stalker. And, uh, <laughs> I did. I did. Because everybody, I was that person that everybody avoided. When you saw them coming down the hallway, it's like, hey, can I talk to you for just a minute? You could just see their heads like, oh, great. And I caught this little old lady because I was faster than she was. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, I know that you know Jesus. And so I would like to come home with you today. <laughs> you should be so bold. I said, so I want to come home with you today and I want to watch what you and Jesus do. I want to watch how you walk with him. And she was so gracious. <laughs> I'm sure she told her friends later, oh my Lord, Barbie's going home with me today. <laughs> Not only Barbie, but baby Aaron. <laughs> anyway, um, I went to her house and like sat in her kitchen while she cooked and, and you know, watched how she, you know, well, Lord, the Lord's just been good. Everything about her conversation was good. And then we went and sat outside and we talked about the beauty all around us. And, and I thought, oh, she's just living life with him. She's just living life with him. And, and then she's like, do you, do you need anything? I said, yeah, can you, I want to watch you pray. <laughs> no pressure there. And, um, we went into her living room and she's like, okay. And she knelt down at the couch in, in her living room 
And man, she began to talk to Jesus in a way that I, I didn't know you could talk to him like that. She spoke to him like a friend. And, and then she pulled me down. She said, come on, we're gonna talk to him together. Oh, guys, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I wanted somebody to show me how to walk with him, to show me a personal relationship with him. And, and it was the most fabulous season in my life. Fabulous season in my life. <laughs> People avoided me, but it was a fabulous season in my life. But just like Pastor Ronnie said last week, you know, Jesus was led out into the wilderness to be tempted after he had uh, been baptized. And then, you know, he kind of spoke that curse over all who had been baptized last week. No, no, no. He said, I guarantee you, everybody that's been baptized is gonna, has gone through temptation. We're all there. Even though I was following him and I was trying to learn more about him and I was trying to grow in my walk with him, man, I can tell you my biggest failures and my biggest falls have been since I have come to know him. Here's the difference. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. I used to be able to get away with sin. <laughs> but once you know him, once you know him, it will break your heart when you mess up. And I was under such conviction. And I was like, Lord, you know, I was just, just so much conviction and I was grieving in my spirit because I felt like, God, I made you so many promises and, and Lord, I have so let you down. I've so let you down. And he took me to the most unlikely passage of scripture. He took me to Matthew 14. It's about this same Simon Peter that we saw in the beginning. And Simon Peter, this is after Jesus has fed the 5,000. And he sends the disciples on over um, in their boat. And it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then this is what got me. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. In the first calling, when he first called Simon Peter from the boat, the word is daiute, and it's corporate, and it's plural, and it is a altar call. This time, when Jesus speaks to Peter, I love that Peter is bold enough. All of the rest are going, it's a ghost, and he's going, ask me to come. Sometimes all it takes is for you to be bold enough to ask God for something everybody else is afraid to ask him for. Sometimes if you will just be bold enough to go, this makes no sense, but that's where I want to go, and take that step and things change. You see, when Jesus, the first time it was corporate and it was a calling, come and follow me, step by step behind me, in my footsteps, step with me and let's follow and let's go. This time it's ercomai. This time when he says come, it is singular. And it is a call to Simon Peter and it's not to come follow me. It is as a man speaks to another, as God spoke to his friend face to face, as a man speaks to his friend, he says, come. 
And that word, in that time, akoma means step forward and be established. It means step forward, find your foundation and find your place of influence. So in that time, the second time he called, and here's the beauty of it. I'm like, God, what does that have to do with I'm in a mess here? He said he was sinking. He began to sink in what Jesus did in that moment. In the beginning, when the, the disciples did uh, euthios, when they said immediately they left their nets and followed him, when Peter began to sink, the word tells us that euthios, Jesus reached and he grabbed hold of him immediately. Immediately, Jesus didn't hesitate. When you are sinking, there's this hand, and here's the cool thing about it. I believe that when Jesus, uh, when Peter stepped out of that boat, when he was bold enough to ask for something no one else would ask for, when he stepped out and began to walk toward Jesus, I believe he, he entered that water as a servant and a follower, but I believe when he stepped out of that boat, he became a friend. And see, there's something about uh, speak, uh, going toward speaking to someone face-to-face and friendship. You might have a boss, you know, you might have a boss who would, most of the time, if you get in trouble, your boss isn't going to come get you out. And if you were a slave, your master wasn't going to come and get you out. But there's something about a friend. There is something about when you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ and he becomes more than just someone that you want to follow, but he becomes someone who is your friend and you are engaged with. There's a different connection and so I believe, I believe Jesus. I believe that when Peter entered the water, he entered as a follower. But I believe when Jesus lifted him up and out, he lifted him up as, out as a friend. And Peter would go on to fulfill his calling and Peter would go on to fail and Peter would go on to fall. But it would still be Peter who when the word came and said, who do you say that I am? He was the only one that said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. There's revelation. Guys, we can spend our whole lives being a follower of Christ and that is great. That is great. Follow him every day of your life. But if you ever get to the point that you're going, I know there is more for me. God, I know there is a greater calling on my life. God, I know that this can't be all there is. Be bold enough to ask him for more. Be bold enough to step into those places that scare you to death. Be bold enough to approach him and expect him to respond to you as a friend. He is just that good. And see, he knows your calling, Pedro. He knows your calling, Kayla. He knows what your callings are, Sandy. He knows, Will, what you're called to do. Deanna, he knows what you're called to do. And until you do it, until you do it, there's always going to be something in your spirit. TJ, God's got a calling on your life. And when you fully press into that, that's when you find fulfillment. That's when all of those things that the puzzle pieces that you're like, how, what does this have to do with this? And how come I, you know, I worked at Chick-fil-A here or, and then I worked at this and, and then I was at a school and you want me to pastor? 
See, God puts the pieces together. He gives you everything all through your life. All of those times you're thinking you're failing and you're falling and you're messing up. And oh Lord, I've got another job. Oh Lord, that one didn't work out. He's teaching you something every single day along the way. And when you are bold enough to say, God, that's what I want. God, I want more. All of the pieces begin to come together and the picture looks so clear. I just would have never imagined. Maybe that's the grace of God that I never saw me standing on a platform because I would have run. But grace, he drew me. He drew me to him and met me where I was. And I just wanna ask you today, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are, that's wonderful. That is amazing. And that is, uh, you know, there's nothing greater, but there's more. There's more. And if somebody in here is just, it's stirring in your stomach, it's like, oh, don't touch that spot. Don't stir that up. I gave up on the calling of God on my life a long time ago, and I'm too old to do it now. No, you're not. If you're still breathing, there's still time. So my question and my challenge to you is have you received the call of Christ to follow him, to learn from him, to do the best we can do to follow in his footsteps and be Christ followers? And if you have, do you feel like you want more? Do you want more? Because in him, there is always, always more. You know, there's one more passage of scripture in the word that that strikes me. There's the first calling to follow, that second calling to come, be established and find influence. But there's also another time in the word in the book of Matthew, when the bridegroom says, go and tell him it's already the table's spread. It's all there. Tell him to come. And the word that he uses there is corporate again. Tell them all, tell them all, invite them all, invite them all to come to the marriage supper. And that's the invitation. Will you come follow him? Will you step out into your calling today and be established and find influence so that your heart can be set on this pilgrimage toward the marriage supper of the Lamb? So I invite you today to come, if you will stand with us. I don't, I really feel like in my spirit, if you have a prayer need, can you just kind of fall, find the altar space and pray? And we're going to have elders or pastors will walk around behind you. If the Holy Spirit is drawing you in any way, the altar is open and we're just going to worship and open up some space for him. Father God. I thank you that no man comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. And so I'm asking, Father, that your Holy Spirit draw today. I'm asking, Father, for that one who has been miserable and sad and lonely because they know that there's more. I'm asking for more today, God. More today, God. Let them be bold enough. Don't let the enemy keep them in their seat, Father. But I pray they take a step of faith and move towards you. Step out on the water in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.